TSL. You're listening to the Satin Lounge with Key Renee, and she is back. She's one of the wittiest and most talented multi-award winning British actresses around, commanding the screen and the stage with her gifts. And she's been uh, one of your favorites in LGBT films like Elena Undone, A Perfect Ending, and she's teamed up with, I believe, another favorite director, Jane Clark, uh, with Crazy Bitches that'll be out sometime this summer. She's had work featured on the BBC's network and Broadway, to name a few. And she's also an accomplished voice talent. I know, she does a lot of things. She's the voice of LinkedIn, um, eHarmony, and various ebooks and documentary narratives worldwide, and I am thrilled to have her back with us tonight. Satin Lounge, please help me welcome, <laughs> look how she's looking at me, the multi-talented Mary Jane <laughs> Wells. You should see the expression hey, on her face right now. Was it like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? She coming in next? Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, when you say it like that, I'm like, all right, thanks. You're I'll so talented. <laughs> Stop that. You, you really are an inspiration and how much you contribute to creativity and the things that our muses, you know, our muses in this world. We can kind of turn the channel or look at the television or look at the film or, you know, turn the radio on and hear your voice or see your presence all over the place. And we appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks very much. So far, so good. So far, so good. And maybe some of you even remember she was here last year with uh, William Thatch, who with she narrated a Christmas story, The Girl Who Saved Christmas. Right. I love that whole world of fantasy, and you just use your voice to illuminate a story. How did you get interested in narration or voiceover, or Ooh. how long have you been doing that? It's a big one, actually. Yeah. You know, I trained at... Um, the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama, which is such a mouthful. Now they call it uh-huh. the Royal Conservatoire. Um, <laughs> so, um, but they have a very strong voice department and uh-huh. I had a really incredible teacher there. There was two. One is Nadine George mm-hmm. and the other is Roz Steen. So mm-hmm. they really go into what your voice is and that yeah. it's a barometer for your emotional and spiritual growth wow. and your creative confidence. Wow. So um, Nadine then started to work with uh, children in Bosnia who couldn't speak out of trauma, mm-hmm. things like that, and members of parliament. Wow. And um, But she was her first passion was always working with actors. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really about accessing the stories and archetypes yeah. within you yeah. that you... It's She really teaches you to try and channel a performance, not uh-huh. control it. So. You're right. So you're not necessarily mimicking. You're actually channeling. That's the difference, isn't it? Yeah, I would have said that's the, that's the difference between... I would hope, anyway, good acting and uh-huh. not. It's reproducing it so that it's alive every night. Right. But that your voice is such an authentic stamp yeah. for where you are in yourself. That's true. And she, anyway, she has. She's. That's a whole other show, I guess. But that's how I got into it, and that's how I got interested in voice, anyway, because it was a big part of giving uh-huh. myself artistic permission uh-huh. to go. Do I have anything to offer? And she was such a gentle. Absolutely, yes, you do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, she, she was a very gentle teacher, and uh-huh. I think most people go into it going. I certainly didn't come to it with any great confidence at all, mm. and she helped me build it. So, Well, I'm so glad that you have confidence in it, because I, I love to hear your voice. You are a British actress, but are you are you Swedish, Scottish, British? Is that... 
Uh, I say British because although Scotland is going through uh-huh. a period where it's probably going to pull away entirely from yeah. being part of Great Britain. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I heard all the rumors. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so I was born in England, uh, uh-huh. and then I went with an Irish mother and an English father, and then I went to Scotland, and I lived there for twelve years, and I did my training there and wow. all the theatre and stuff there. So, okay. and that's a whole different culture. And even speaking about it, I can hear myself say there. Yeah, you've world. got a like a hodgepodge. You kind of mixed all. Yeah. And that's why I'm going. Where are you? Yeah. (laughs) Are there any other accents that you do that you love? I mean, I've heard you do an American accent pretty well. Oh, thank you. Um, Dodge the bullet there. (laughs) Yeah, I do do some. I do do stuff in in Scottish accents, and that's the voice matching for Kate Blanchett. That's because of the Scottish accent Uh thing. Yeah, my mum was from Ireland, Uh and when she used to, she started when she came across to Britain. There was all these signs saying no blacks, no Irish, because okay. it was in the fifties, wow. and it was super racist and intolerant. No of Irish, yeah. Aren't I? I'm confused. Irish would be considered white in my in my lane. It is, but you were of the same class, lower class of citizen, and therefore undesirable for certain jobs. Wow. So the only jobs that were open to her were nurse, secretary. That amazes me. The prejudice and the the inequality amazes me that it was even on that level. Because I don't know, maybe I'm undereducated about. It, but it, I always assumed, unless you, if you weren't a person of color from some uh, descent, like say you were Indian or you were black right. or you were Hispanic or something like that, you know, you weren't discriminated against necessarily. That, uh, that's where that's why I say British instead of English, because English uh-huh. has a history of political colonialism, uh-huh. which doesn't just discriminate against color. Wow. Certainly, if you're Irish or Scottish, Class and, it wasn't and, yeah. you. You were not cool. Now it's cool to be Irish, thank mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. And I think Scottish as well. It's the apparently the accent yeah. for honesty. Huh. You know, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff with Scottish independence. But it's amazing. Um, so when you yeah. come to the United States, uh-huh. you're in America, and you see people discriminating against not race so much, even though that does exist. We're talking about sexuality now. The big fight now is LGBT rights. Yeah, my dad is a very sort of posh English gent but very gentle and my mum and he was always into the idea of servitude to the crown that Mm -hmm. was something which you know he's obviously into human rights but my mum was never into that because of her background because of her feeling of citizenship Mm -hmm. it was like no it's always so I suppose that has she had a massive social conscience and Uh I hopefully it rubbed off on you hopefully yeah absolutely it did I mean you're you're considered an LGBT ally you (laughs) I mean you're in some of our favorite films uh, most of you probably didn't even know she was straight until recently. I mean, <laughs> I know it felt like coming out. Actually, I was a bit like, I feel like I'm sort of pulling the wool over people's eyes because so many people yeah. do a little Facebook status, which is a bit wink, wink, nudge, yeah. nudge. And I'm like, I don't know, what should I do about that? Because I don't, you know. Yeah, right. You right. want to be authentic, like right. everybody wants, right? Is right. So, um, right. So, so yeah, actually, when I said to you, it was. <laughs> It just seemed the right time to say I'm yeah. a straight ally, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, Which I I personally am honored to know people like that because I understand oh I understand why I fight for my causes and my rights. But when someone stands next to me who aren't necessarily going through the same the same issues as I am I'm facing, yeah. and and yet will take take on the fight. 
bring it just on. because you know bring it on. it's not yeah. right is it's it's a huge thing you're uh, this amazing actress and she lent her talents to um a recent video for uh marriage equality the she for me PSA for Marriage Equality. She and I actually met at that point, and it was just such an honor to meet you because I am a big fan. I think um, because of people like you, more exist. They see you standing, and they they think that it's the right thing to do. You are every reason why um, you know the politics is changing in our country. Absolutely, that time too, eh? Yeah, man. Oh, blimey, <laughs> you blimey. Yeah, she's <laughs> not from here. <laughs> I love that. You know, and just incidentally, when someone says bloody or bloody or whatever, is, yeah. that, a, is that a cuss word? Is that a curse word? Um, Kind of, but it's been so socialized uh-huh. that you don't even think of it meaning what it means. What does it mean? Well, when you say bloody hell uh-huh. whatever, you mean hell is full of murder. Okay. That's I'm throwing that down, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it is a cuss oh, word, really. Maybe I should think more about what I say. <sighs> well, you, like I mentioned before, are just, um, you're a prism for entertainment, so many levels, you know, your voice acting, your, um, um, your, your theater, your films, everything that you do. Uh, has there been someone in your past that has influenced you to um, want to chart out your course using this muse? It's, what was the pivoting point in you that was like, I'm going to be an actor? I'm gonna. Oh, gosh. I'm gonna get into entertainment. I was thinking about that the other day, actually. Thinking it's still more of a feeling of have to that it chooses you, uh-huh. not that you choose it. Uh-huh. So, I agree with that. I think it probably started off as revenge and teenage rebellion because I come from a, a family who are not particularly artistic okay. and who were really like, oh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, not unsupportive, actually. They, yeah. they, you know, I went to drama school and yeah. they, they helped me out financially and, and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were great advocates. They are. My dad, mm-hmm. you know, my dad's still alive. He's He loves the arts. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was out of a feeling of, of anti-intellectual. Hmm. Like there's, that emotional, that, emotional intelligence has as much place as intellectual intelligence like emotional and, intelligence i like yeah. that and your, your gut has more nerve receptors than your brain mm-hmm. so perhaps in a family of eggheads it was my way of trying yeah. to compete yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know before you became involved in american films you spent quite a bit of time in the theater uh broadway uh you were ariel of uh what is it Mar- little, uh, mermaid. little mermaid yeah. which insinuates that you can probably sing a little bit too. No, that one, um, there was other shows that did um, 42nd Street. There's a show called the, there's a place called the New Victory Theatre uh-huh. and um, those kind of tours were from Scotland straight across to I don't know, the Kennedy Centre, the Lincoln Centre and that was mm-hmm. all very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the Little Mermaid was actually done in um, a theatre in Hawaii. Oh, so you were in, it wasn't okay. the big Disney Broadway okay. version. It was actually um, the Danish real version, well, the, the original version adapted by a British guy called Mike Kenny. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, I can sing, but I'm not a musical theatre actor. I think they're an extraordinary breed, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not that. You're I'm, not. I'm something else. <laughs> I don't know. So you you wouldn't sign on to a, a, a feature to sing in it? Or? I would love to do that. I but just I mean, can't see anything holding you back. I just can't. Apart from the people maybe casting it, they might be like, 
She's she ain't got those Broadway lungs. You could she be carry Les Miserables. You know, you could you could do that film. You could. I love you Kieran could Kieran 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 are we saying Phantom of the Opera? Is yeah. that what we're referring to? Yeah, it's okay. the character really is a, a a woman in a kitchen. She's not <laughs> supposed to have this amazing, like, <laughs> you know. So they wanted somebody to sound normal and maybe, yeah. like, hesitate over that. You know, it's a yeah. very... He, in the particular director, Dean Dubois, he always uses yeah. music to carry story points. Okay. So there's always a big emotional turnaround in a story and mm-hmm. you've got to, like, manage it in four lines of song. So that was the difficult thing. Wow. Um, fortunately, they didn't say, now you've, can you show us your belt? <laughs> you know, I would have been like, hey, what's this holding my jeans up? Um, no. It's, so fortunately, it was, it had to sound yeah. like somebody who could, like, carry a tune. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But nothing more than that. Well, it, then you're not all that intimidated to sing. It sounds so no. It's like you're. It's like she's like um, leading up to go. So Mary, uh-huh. throw us out. <laughs> throw us out forward. A one, a two, a, a one, one, two, two three. three. Go. <laughs> I heard you crooning in between times to the end of that record. So oh. we should end up with some. We should spontaneously, spontaneously. I just made up a word. We should spontaneously burst into some sort of song at the end of this radio. Show. We should. So you think about which one we're going to go into. You. <laughs> Do that. It's important. I just did that. I just threw down a creative gauntlet, and now I'm going to have to pick it up. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking of the theater, um, you have uh, put together something that's very important, a message that's very important using theater as the genre to tell it. Um, we have to take a break, but when we come back, um, Mary has hit the stage again. And she's bringing her one-woman show to us. Um, she calls it Heroin, is that right? Yeah, it's under heroinetheplay.com. Heroinetheplay.com. It's an incredible story about one soldier, this is my interpretation, one soldier, a lesbian's life before, don't ask, don't tell, as a matter of fact, before that was repealed, okay? A fight against her most unlikely enemies. Man, it's heartbreaking once mm. I learned more about it. Um... How do you truly forgive? That's one of the greatest messages in this play. She's going to tell us all about it, okay? She brought us a few songs from her crate, and I'm going to play them for you tonight. Uh, let's see what we have here. Mirrors uh, and Smoke by... Who's, who's, who's your friend? Gary Linus. Yeah, his band is called Linus, and he's um, a really talented and wonderful friend, actually. Mm-hmm. He's from Glasgow, so you'll hear his accent come, come through pretty strong. Ah. Um, but he's a fantastic musician, and he's also... A, a total hoot. He's a great laugh. <laughs> well, that's the important part. He's a hoot. He gets to stay. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to play him right now for you guys. Um, more of the gifted Mary Jane Wells coming up in the Satin Lounge with Kia Renee. We're going to work on this song we'll do together and, and at the end. One, a two, a one, two. Go, Kia. Kia Renee. And the Satin Lounge today. They want us to stop today. 
Satin Lounge with Kia Renee, the place you've been waiting for. This is James T. Bartlett. Hi, this is Kia Bennett. Hi, I'm Lisa Oz. Hi, this is Kelly Moneymaker of Venice the Series. This is Frank McCormick. You're listening to the Satin Lounge. Hi, my name is Apostle Detria Gates. I'm in the Satin Lounge with Kia Renee. This is Harrison. And Patrick. Kelly and White. We're in the Satin Lounge with Kia Renee. Feel the music. The love. The vibe. I looked at a stone from a riverbed. It had stripes in it from what they call a flood episode. Each stripe seems so quiet for such a churning slice of history. Floods devastate millions, change continents, shorelines, whole ecosystems. So one terrified heart guttering to survive, chin to the current, grasping for air, is just one grain of sand. I looked at the riverbed. It went on for miles. Imagine when the flood came, that all the people looked like they survived it. When you throw a pebble in their pond, it ripples but goes still. But it's not true stillness. Underneath, there is a new flood happening again and again. I found some people who really did survive. They are not scared of it anymore. The flood ruled them, broke them, reshaped them, came to destroy them in dreams so vivid, it seemed they were awake. Some of them wished they had been washed away. Now, they sleep soundly. Love passionately, they laugh as they swim. They tell me the journey to the true place was the ugliest flood of all. But for me, it holds breathtaking beauty. Now they are the fierce current of their own lives. The dark waters of their minds run clear. When people harness this power in other ways, sometimes there is an edge of cruelty to it. Not so with them. It makes me feel so hopeful I want to shout, as if this alone can change the snaking turns of an ancient riverbed. Wow, that's an incredible poem. Uh, we find that inside the play, the heroine. It's a little prologue before the action starts. The rest of the play is just pure mm -hmm. action, but that's... It encompasses basically what the play is about. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. It also addresses my relationship to it, which is just that, and then I'm just her for the rest of the story. Mary Jane Wells' brand new one-woman show called Heroin is really powerful. I am so proud of you for bringing attention to something so serious mm -hmm. and, and important uh, for all women, for all people, really, because we're finding out that there's, it's more than just women who are being violated. In fact, it's 56% of wow. the survivors of MST are male. Wow. But, I, you know, I don't know if that's representative across because there's so many more men mm -hmm. who serve than women mm -hmm. still. Right. But I still, it's a understand. shocking number. You usually yeah. think that perpetrators are male and, and mm -hmm. survivors are female, but not the case. Mm -hmm. So the catalyst of you putting together, which you wrote this play and you're starring in this play, why did you want to tell this story? What happened? Um, good question, because normally it's, I actually think it's really important to go into the dark, especially with lights, with, with comic relief, not yeah. flippancy, especially not with something like this. Mm -hmm. but, but you can only deal with something as dark as this if there's, uh, 
if it's seeded in light, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. You know, that there's moments of a lot of likes. Nobody mm-hmm. will go and see a show so mm-hmm. dark if they're like, oh my like, God. I, I want to commit suicide it. after this. I I exactly. Right. So although it's not a breezy comedy, yeah. um, there's plenty of dark humor in it because there has to be. Mm-hmm. So the reason why it came out was because I had uh, a friendship with somebody who came to support us on set of A Perfect Ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and she told me a little bit of her life story then. Um, that she was a female vet and she said I've written this script and I wrote you a part in it and I was like wow Mm. so um, but I didn't hear much about it for literally another two to three years Mm. after then Um, and I did the vagina monologues um, the Eve Ensler play and sort of got more turned on to exactly what Eve Ensler was about and what she was doing in Afghanistan and stuff and um she got back in touch with me, the lady in question, and said, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying so hard to... I did a trailer for this movie and I can't find funding and I don't know what to do. And I mm-hmm. was like, God, I wish I was hooked up in Hollywood. Right. Like, you need... It needs to be like a Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. But for women, yeah. really. And um, from what I understand, the female filmmakers I've worked with who've worked in LGBT filmmaking have said the demographic to raise money is a little tough because right. although the, the audience are very loyal for strong content, um, their demographic is that they will stay home and watch DVDs rather than go out right. to the cinema or like gay men will. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, raising money for a feature is tough. And also, I'm not starry enough. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, the only thing I know how to do is to turn it into a piece of theatre. But there's a lot that comes up for that. One is, this is you know, this woman's history is so dramatically compelling, mm-hmm. but also could threaten severely to re-traumatize her by telling it. It's mm-hmm. part of her healing process, yeah. but everything's going to come up. Right. So I said, I don't want you to ever regret telling me what's happened to you mm-hmm. and what happened to you in the U.S. Army mm-hmm. and what happened to you afterwards and how you healed yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to go really slowly with this and you have to get some support and maybe I do too. Right. So that we're not experts in knowing what's going to explode mm-hmm. potentially. So let's tread carefully. Mm-hmm. So um, we did. And we went forward with a 15-minute scratch in a theatre exactly a month, a year ago mm-hmm. in, in Venice. And that was really to solve two questions. One, or to answer two questions. One, how do you put military sexual trauma on stage mm-hmm. how do you do that yeah, how do you do delicately that? Yeah. responsibly and as i say um and also how do we do it so that we don't trigger the lady in question yeah now her story is out so yeah. her anonymity is of paramount importance of course um yeah that's that's how it came to me and wow. then somebody said what are you doing and i said i'm doing this play and they said hey, have you seen that documentary, Invisible War? And I hadn't, and I had no idea it was part of an enormous other story. So Mm. to get to the facts, Invisible War and the play that I'm writing is about MST, which is means military sexual trauma right. it's a part of the story I'm telling it's not the whole story mm-hmm. but I didn't realise it was such a gigantic epidemic within right. the culture of the military not just the US military wow. but you know the UK yeah. Ministry of Defence is pretty sensitive about that because it's happening mm-hmm. right now in Britain too mm-hmm. and she's just one of very many survivors there's, there's been half a million people who have been sexually assaulted in the US Army alone why, would, why do you think that that is happening is it some version of control is it why would soldiers violate someone who's trying to save your life it's a really good question invisible war goes some way to look at the culture around what happens 
afterwards mm-hmm. and the culture of blame and retaliation towards the victim. Mm-hmm. But um, the, a, a documentary goes into why, to answer your question, is Women of War. And it's a very complicated hotbed, but most of it is to do with the fact that um, the military's justice system is very enclosed and it doesn't have any access. Right. It, it, civilian just courts and mm-hmm. military courts are totally separate. And there's not a, a great deal of accountability either, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. In fact, let me read you what Chuck Hagel has said about sexual trauma because mm-hmm. the chain of command has failed over over the years for a lot of reasons. Secretary of the Army John McHugh says... Um, we have totally failed when it comes to dealing with sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Former Pentagon Chief Counsel Jay Johnson says, the problem has become so pervasive, the bad behavior is so pervasive, we need to look at fundamental change in the military justice system itself. Oh so Senator Gillibrand herself, she's been trying to push for um, sexual assault to be taken out of military control Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they don't understand the nature of the actual crime first they don't understand that it is a crime and uh, from my research from what I understand it's not really necessarily sexually motivated it's to do with dominance and control and the pecking order and hierarchy Mm -hmm. and um, also uh, even just recently and this is not touching on MST but Mm -hmm. it's looking at the culture of discipline and relations within the army um mm-hmm. this american life went on board a navy cruise ship and talked to everybody he said you know we're not even allowed to hug each other you know it's wow. obviously you're not allowed to have relationships and you're on a, a bunch of people who are hormonally at their peak or right. put together right i mean that that shouldn't advocate for therefore crime happens mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. but it's the way the military looks at mst in particular and brushes it totally under the rug that most of the victims of it have said mm-hmm. the attack itself was brutal and traumatic and involved torture certainly mm. the lady I was talking to but the way it was dealt with is so much more traumatic like one woman was told to take an aspirin another was told to work what? out her differences with her rapist by being in the same office with him for a year it's sort of like buck up what? that's just the army you don't mm-hmm. start to go into your feelings too much here mm-hmm. um, you just buckle down and get on with things we mm-hmm. don't know how to deal with the fact that you know uh, r- relationships get out of control but these are not relationships that get out of control it's sexual crime mm-hmm. and the lady who spoke to me you know this is something that happened to her but it wasn't the full reason why I wanted to tell her story it was because not only did that happen but she went on to be promoted and she was the only woman in her entire platoon when she joined in 1985 wow and she was also a lesbian you know when mm-hmm. and when it was totally illegal to be gay right and um, she went on to be promoted and to lead a squad and she led a squad with one of her assailants by her side and she went into combat in a very tricky combat zone where there's six in her squad and only really she and her assailant made it out alive. Wow. So you're in a position of bizarre trust with somebody who's totally violated you. Yes. So it takes a very particular person right. to survive mm-hmm. and heal and reconcile with what those mm-hmm. experiences have given you. And mm-hmm. that was one of the reasons why I wanted to write her story because it was incredible what she'd survived. Right. And there's a lot more to the tale than mm-hmm. that, but those are sort of the bare bones of it. Mm-hmm. And, and actually bringing light to who the real heroes are, those, those survivors. Um, what do you hope audiences will take away from this play? Well, I feel like it's my responsibility 
not actually to push a particular agenda, mm-hmm. but just to tell this one soldier's story. It's not a polemic for or against war, but um, it's certainly getting the interest of people who want to end sexual violence full stop in conflict or otherwise. Mm-hmm. The, the very base thing that I would like, I would like her story to be heard. Um, she was also part of Rwanda. Um, she went in there as a peacekeeping force in Rwanda. Wow. She wow. also helped with the Berlin Wall, you know, mm-hmm. phenomenal wow. sort of things. And I know this is so interesting to me, but she said... I'd sign up again tomorrow if I could. What? Can you believe that? Well, I guess that goes back to the theme of your play of, uh, you know, how do you truly forgive? What is forgiveness? How do you do that? And also that she sees her training as a very, very necessary background to keeping peace and stability somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's not, um, you're not being trained to kill because Mm -hmm. you want to. It's because this is the state of the world. Mm And if we didn't have that, then all chaos would break loose. That's the uh, that's the theory, mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a love story because you're not supposed to have any relationships with anybody in the army, but she was gay and she was like, mm-hmm. screw that, <laughs> because a really beautiful woman mm-hmm. was put in her squad who also happened to be a lesbian, mm-hmm. and they did. They fell in love, mm-hmm. and they were followed as well. They wow. had to be super hush-hush about it. Mm. Um, but she had... <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story? Please tell me yeah, something we funny. Some funny. Exactly, exactly. Um, she said, I said, how on earth did you manage to keep that secret? You were a squad leader. Mm-hmm. You had got pretty high up in terms of intelligence and yeah. your, your, your security clearance. How on earth did you manage to date somebody in your own squad? And she was like, well, um, we would go to this, uh, this is when she was in Germany, mm-hmm. this place called Kaiserslautern, and it had uh, the Joy Discotheque. Okay. She would go in the car and her girlfriend would go on the train and they would meet there, mm-hmm. they would dance and have a wonderful time and then they'd come back to their roles. Mm-hmm. But there'd be definitely tension underneath and that's mm-hmm. something that I like to play with for comic effects in the play. But um, yeah, so they're tailed. They realize that they're getting tailed and mm-hmm. they have to totally put a kibosh on their relationship for a while. Mm-hmm. But something happens that makes them go, I just have to see you. Yeah. I have to see you. And we're falling in love. I think this, yeah. this is what's happening. Yeah. So she went, okay, meet me at the Joy Discotheque yeah. tomorrow night. She was like, we're going to get followed. You're going to lead them right into the center of <laughs> LGBT You can't world. keep a gay you away can't. from the disco. You can't. <laughs> um, so uh, she said, no, just do it. Yeah. So she took the train and the girlfriend took the car. Yeah. So she got to Frankfurt, which is a big connecting station. And on she realized the two tails were behind her. So she jumped off and she looked at the board in Frankfurt. Just as she planned it all out and she looked and she looked. She found her train and she went and she just waited for just before the train doors shut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She jumped on and she jumped off when she saw they had followed her on. Wow. And then she waved them goodbye with her middle finger because that train was an all-day express all the way to Milan with no stops. <laughs> <laughs> and she was yeah. like, all right. Uh-huh. She said we danced our asses off that night. We got 24 hours, baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, man, what an amazing person and an amazing story. Um, How far are you along on the... Uh, when? How can we see the play? Is it, it. it? Yeah, want to come see it? Well, we're still sort of chundering along in development, which covers a multitude of things. Mm-hmm, multitude. But 
But I know it's being put up for um, the Global Summit to End Sexual Violence in Conflict, which is organized by none other than Angelina Jolie hey. and the UK Foreign Secretary, mm-hmm. William Hague. That's in June, mm-hmm. but I won't know if it's been chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a couple of performances that I think are being mm-hmm. put forward. And um, there might be ones that are specifically only about using rape or sexual violence as a tool, mm-hmm. as, a, as a warfare mm-hmm. tool, whereas mine is about the fact that you can extrapolate all of that into what happens between soldiers, you know. Yeah. Um, it's really the same thing. It's all about domination and control and mm-hmm. humiliation. Mm-hmm. So with any luck, we'll get to be part of that conference, but I'm hoping for a performance mm-hmm. in LA somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I'll just have to keep you posted because I don't know where yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for... Is there anything that we can do to help you you, are you doing any fundraising, donating? or? I am looking for donations towards the development part of it because we, we did right. three days in Brighton, three days development on the play. So just keeping keeping it going forward mm-hmm. uh, is a little costly. It's all up there on... So you have a, a PayPal or donation button on your website? Or there something? is, yeah. Okay. And um, we'll be under the non-profit status under Fractured Atlas, okay. hopefully within a month. So yeah, okay. all of that stuff will be taxed up. So what's the website for Heroine? It is www.heroinetheplay.com. <laughs> Heroinetheplay.com. That's right. Donate, help get this story um, tangible for each of us to view and support. Support Mary Jane Wells. She's always doing something, mavericking something for us. She's, she doesn't stick with the safe stories or do the safe things oh. we need this one to support her if you can and they can find you at maryjanewells.org is that right that's right thank you Kia. yeah maryjanewells.org herointhemovie.com heroin the play Hesse. although you know what there I'm really is. hoping that somebody will go oh this should be a this movie. should be a movie because she's already written the script you know I use yeah. I adapted uh, I, I've taken directly some of her dialogue mm-hmm. you know she's credited for that so well, I want somebody to go make the movie because they've gone, and then it will be a movie about. That's who's, right. You, who's seen the lesbian you know, soldier movie? Yeah. Nobody. You know a few directors: Nicole, Jane, Clark. Hello. Uh, you know, you know a few people. <laughs> and I'm happy not to play the lead for that. They need, they need to somebody who actually looks like a soldier for a start. Are you kidding? I've seen your guns over there. Stop My it guns. right there. Yeah. <laughs> Do I have the right to bear arms? I don't know. They feel a little bit chubby right now. Stop it, please. (laughs) Heroinetheplay.com. Find out more about it um, and support Mary Jane Wells, okay? Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Actually, yeah, there is one other... What's coming up for you besides this? Um, I have a little... A tiny little part on the Fosters. She means a tiny little part. Well, I love that series. Yeah, part of that pops up. And How to Train Your Dragon Two. Uh-huh. There's a little bit in that. Some uh, more voice work there. Some more voice work. And I'd quite like to do like a silly cookery show. So you know, yeah. it's maybe you know based on the fact that I can't eat anything anymore. I'm allergic uh-huh. to everything. That's uh-huh. just the way the world's going. She's brought the most amazing muffins in tonight. Um, what are you calling these things? So these are, as is my wont, they are dairy-free, uh-huh. sugar-free. Gluten-free, soy-free, and mm-hmm. paleo-friendly, and they're not, but they're not vegan. But um, they're good, is what they are. <laughs> it's like banana bread. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be. What are the berries in here? They are. They're called something like golden. They're not. Ra- they're like posh raisins. Mm-hmm. They're like upper-class raisins. Golden mm. berries. They're I think. delicious. They're tart and. Mm. Ding. Okay. Yeah. Being, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. being also immune means it doesn't mean that you don't like cars. 
And mm-hmm. it should mean that you can eat really nice, yummy things. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't mean anything about denial. That's the point of anything it. Anything about denial. Yeah. That's right. Well, get yourself a cooking show, too. Why not? You do everything else. <laughs> Why not? I probably shouldn't have eaten that while I'm trying to talk to you now. I'm like, That's all right. Do you want me to say something else? There is one more thing. There is one more thing. To your moment, I'm totally like, what I know we're running out of time. And I said to my friend that I would, I would give her a plug. Mm-hmm. Um, through all of this work with veterans, I did meet somebody super inspiring as well who um, has set up a place which is going to start looking for... Um, it's going to have a Kickstarter soon, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's called joyhousesoberliving.org. But mm-hmm. it's for women veterans who have been survived MST okay. and it's to address all of their needs their emotional their physical and their spiritual needs in a place because if you're a female single veteran yeah. there's yeah. only like two rooms in any homeless shelter wow you know and the rest are for guys yeah that's right and something like one out of three female veterans is homeless it's a crazy high percentage wow what yeah. is that website again it's called joyhousesoberliving.org it's a it's a temporary website um, just mm-hmm. to have something up there. So you can catch that link at maryjanewells.org. Let's support each other. That's what it's all about. Right? Thanks, Kia. Absolutely. Mary, thank you so much for coming in. I love having you here. You're amazing being <laughs> here in studio tonight. I'm truly, seriously a fan of yours. I, I love watching you. I think you're really talented. Um, please know you're welcome to come back anytime. You <gasps> know, Bring you. some more of uh, these wonderful muffins with you. Yeah. Be careful saying muffins with lesbians. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably... I'll bring, I'll bring something else that sounds equally like, right. on the edge. A cake? Well, cake might not work either. Let's yeah, see here. What, what can you bring me? lesbians? Lesbians. <laughs> My dairy-free milkshake brings all the lactose intolerant girls to the yard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. See what happens. <laughs> this is really segueing into a song. I know. I know. <laughs> we said you wanted to, you know, do that, our impromptu. Now I, I, I want I a bit of Cleo Lane. You started off doing some scatting. I well, that sounds rude. You, but <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> You have got to follow through. You can't just tease, tease a girl and leave her, you know, naked. Oh, my God. Seriously. <laughs> Let's get to the music you actually brought okay, us Okay, tonight. okay, okay. Uh, we have a song here from uh, Charlie from The Big Fellas. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about I Wish I Knew? Oh, Charlie. Um, it comes from a whole album that I love, but he actually wrote one or two of those songs but not the one I wish I knew that's about his dad oh, think, okay. if I've chosen the right song um, it's yeah. a lovely story yes yeah he's a fantastic musician and um, the lady in question who I'm writing about in Heroin mm-hmm. came like hours she hours from Sacramento to see me in a show mm-hmm. um, and Charlie was doing the music for it and we he got you know I got to sing one of Charlie's songs in it so mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Charlie's so you should have been singing Charlie instead of you know or, uh, instead of what was that Eartha Kitt or that was some old skibbity bop bop that was Ella Fitzgerald not <laughs> yes Nella Fitzgerald Nella <laughs> no there was no there was that was in the key of no <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. See, stop um, it. it. It needs some more. You want to redeem yourself one more time? Oh my God. You, you have to count me in. Okay. One, a two, a one, two, three, four. Boom, 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 bo